Good evening, everybody. <clears throat> Greetings to you in the name of Jesus tonight. Thank you, Verlin. That was very, very, a very good introduction to our evening and very appropriate. And I, uh, I trust and I hope tonight that you have found the truth of what was just sung to be a reality in your life, that uh, earth can fill my soul no more. We have found that earth does not fill our soul. Earth is not able to fill our soul. There's no chance that earth will ever fill your soul. But it's Jesus. It's God. It's a relationship with him that fills your soul. And whether people know it or not, <clears throat> every man, every woman, every person in this world, that is what they're looking for. Many of them don't know it, but that's what they're really looking for. And so we don't want to keep it to ourselves. We want to share the good things the Lord has given to us so that others can enjoy them too. So yes, we have been talking about who am I in Christ? And uh, as we said last evening, there are so many things that we can talk about of who we are in Christ. But tonight we're going to focus on one that is very and our brother used the word solemn or somber or something like that this evening. And this one is sort of that way. Um, and so um, we talked about being born again the first night. We talked about being dead to sin and alive to God. Last evening we talked about being God's person from Peter. And all that that means and who, we, who God calls us to be. So tonight, <clears throat> who am I in Christ not ashamed. Not ashamed. Okay? I'll begin this evening with uh, some verses I read this very morning. <clears throat> this morning I read uh, 2 Timothy, so if you want to turn there, you can. It's a great, great scripture, to, scripture to start with this evening. Uh, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. 2 Timothy 1, 6 to 8. It says here, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And so I, I don't know how you look at church services, but it has happened many times that what we prepare to preach about is very well introduced by what comes before that. And so we just said the last verse of that song was, was about taking the, take, I wish I had the, the words in front of me, but taking the the affliction and the pain and the, the identity with the Lord Jesus Christ and being willing to just go with him all the way. And so that's what we're going to be looking at here this evening. So I invite you from this scripture to another, that being Mark chapter 8, 34 to 38. Not ashamed. Mark 8, 34. It says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever 
will come after me. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my, for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So Jesus... <laughs> says some things that I would say are very hard. Do you agree with that tonight? The call of Jesus Christ upon a person's life is not simple, and it's not easy. Well, it may be simple, but it's not easy. Not complicated, but it's not easy. He says, if you are going to follow me, this is what it means. Now, we talked about this a few nights ago, whether Jesus has different programs for different churches, different programs for different Christians. Okay, those are going to be the super Christians. Those are going to be the average Christians, and those are going to be the mediocre Christians. They all have a little, little, little different path to follow, okay? <laughs> is that how it is? Uh, I've been driving around here in Tennessee. We did a long drive today. We actually drove all the way to North Carolina today um, over the, you know, this kind of driving, and then we came home by this kind of driving. We came 129. Maybe some of you know what that is, but it's like, I don't know. <laughs> it's a crazy road. Uh, there was not a straight stretch in, in, for miles and miles. We went around all these, I mean, it was like back and forth and back and forth, and everybody in the cars. Oh, boy. My wife was glad she wasn't driving, Okay. I don't know how my son felt about it. But um, in our driving around, we've been driving around in your community here, going different places, and I have noticed that you are people who are willing to stand alone because you're not Baptist, okay? <laughs> you are taking a stand in this community as being something other than Baptist. I mean, we were driving, down, we were driving here this evening, and there is a Baptist tabernacle here, and three miles later, there's the Baptist church there, and I'm thinking, how many Baptist churches can fit into a small geographical area such as this? And so, I, I don't know, does God have one path for the Mennonites to follow? And he has a completely different one for the Baptists to follow. I saw a couple of Methodist churches out there, so maybe there's a different path for the Methodists to follow. Uh, is that the way it works? You see, tonight, if we take Jesus' words seriously, it looks like it applies to all of them, right? It looks like Jesus has one program for all Christians. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, am I on that path that Jesus has defined for us? Or am I somehow deviating into something else? I want to tell you tonight, brothers and sisters, don't let anybody take the truth of Jesus and the Word of God away from you. 
And that is what is happening in so many places today. People are watering down and taking away the truth of Jesus Christ. And they're saying, actually, he didn't really mean that. And so they have something else. They come up with something else, something that is a compromise to what the clear words of Jesus say. And so when I see the word, I see in verse 34, I see the word whosoever. Now we believe in the whosoever of Jesus, and we believe in the whosoever of the gospel. Whosoever will, let him come. Do we all believe that? The, the gospel message, the, the message of salvation is for everyone. Whosoever will, let him come. And then we have the same word here. We have whosoever will come after me. And who does that include? It includes whosoever will come after me. If anybody is going to come after Jesus, if anybody is going to follow him, this is what it means. And we have to just simply say, okay, Jesus said what he meant, meant what he said. Now, what am I going to do about it? Okay, What are you going to do about Jesus calling upon your life? He says, if you're going to come after me, there's three things he says here. And I don't, I, I'm not sure I like any of them. Oh, the last one I like a little better than the other two. But the first one he says, you need to deny yourself. Deny yourself. That means that self has to be... I mean, our brother just, just expressed a few things. He, he, this is what's first, this is what's next, and then this is what's next. I don't know where self comes into that. Where is self and all that? Okay, Jesus is first. He said, my family is second. You folks here are third. But where does self come in? Somewhere way... <laughs> Somewhere way down there. Self is way down there. And Jesus says you need to deny yourself. Self is not going to be paramount or important in your life. Self is going to be given up for the good of Christ's kingdom and for the good of other people. Self is going to be put aside. And my self doesn't like that very much. Does your self like that? Our self just does not like that. Our self wants to be high on the list. Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, you're going to give up yourself. Now, is Jesus telling you to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself? No. Jesus is telling you to do something that he demonstrated perfectly how to do. Denying yourself means that the whole world is ahead of me. Jesus put the whole world ahead of himself. And when he says, deny yourself, he shows you what it means. It means put the whole world ahead of yourself. Okay? I'm not good at that. Maybe you're better at it than I am. Take up your cross. He's going to have to take up the cross. That means he dies. We talked about dying just a couple nights ago, so we won't go into that in great detail. And then he says, follow me. Now, following Jesus, when you're following something or following somebody, let's say you have the owner's manual right here of whatever you got. 
It's easier to get things than ever before. Does Amazon deliver to your house? Okay. It's easier to get things than it's ever been before. All you got to do is, you know, click a few buttons or even on your phone, you can bang, there it goes. It's, it's coming your way. Okay, you get an owner's manual with some things. And if you, if you uh, <clears throat> I, I don't know, some people follow the directions and some don't, okay? Probably most of you had had experiences in your life that you did not follow the directions. And because you didn't follow the directions, you had to take it back apart again and reconstruct it a second time. And hopefully that time you got it right. But if you didn't, maybe the third time you'll have to get the directions out and say, okay, what did I do wrong? Oh, yeah, of course. Why didn't I think of that? And so then we get it right because we followed the directions. Okay, following means doing what you're told. And so Jesus tells us what to do. He tells us what we should be doing, how we should be living, how we are to deal with this situation in my life. Jesus tells us how, okay? Not only does Jesus tell us, but Jesus shows us by his life. And we read the Gospels and we see the life of Jesus and we hear what he says and we see that he does it and we say, okay, following Jesus means doing what he says and doing what he would do, all right? So that's pretty simple definition of following Jesus. Doing what he says and doing what he does or what he did, okay? So those three things, if you're going to follow Jesus, he said that is what you are going to do. Then he goes on and he talks about saving the life. Verse 35, a person who, is going, who, who wishes or wants to or must save his life, Jesus says he is going to lose his life. And maybe a better word, in the word for the word save is the idea of keeping. Somebody who keeps their life for themselves, Jesus says they're going to lose their life. Those who are willing to give up their life is going to keep or save their life. Okay? That's contradictory. Um, we consider the life to be very important. We want to save people's lives. We want to preserve our life. And in our world today, people will do almost anything to save their life. And you can see what people do. Okay, what do people do to save their life? I remember uh, a number of years ago, before we moved to where we are now, we would drive a different way to get to our church. And on a Sunday morning, we would see a man jogging. And we saw him pretty often. And he didn't jog like most people. Most people will have their arms out in front of them. This man had his arms way out like this when he was running. And he would have his head back. And he looked like he was in absolute misery. And, I, and I'd, say to, I'd say to my family on the way, but I, you know what, That's, I, I'd, this is what I would say. I talk to people that can't hear me, okay? I don't know if I should do that. I said, live, man, live. Live, man, live. That's what I would say to this guy. When I, I didn't talk. I mean, he didn't know I was saying it, but I was saying it in my car. Uh, and that's what uh, he wanted to live. 
Maybe the doctor says, you've got high blood pressure, and you're overweight, and your health is poor. You better get some exercise. And so he's out there looking like he's in total agony, trying to live, just trying to live a little longer. And you know, people, and I don't want to find fault with what people do. Everybody's got their own decisions to make. And, and you know, sometimes what people do looks like it doesn't make a lot of sense. Sometimes it looks like it does. But people will spend thousands and thousands of dollars to try to preserve life just a little bit longer. And the children of God, what are we trying to avoid? You know, you think about it. What are we trying to avoid? I mean, the glory land awaits. And the moment we open our eyes in glory, it's going to be like, wow, this is the best. Nothing like that. I never heard anything like this before. I've never seen anything like don't. I've never felt this good before. Why was I trying to stay away from this place? You know what I'm saying? And people spend thousands, hundreds of thousands to live a little bit longer. And uh, you know what? Jesus says if you're, if you're willing to give up your life, you're going to keep it. You're going to save it. And so, it, it, you know, we, we don't want to be vulgar about it, and we don't want to, you know, we want to be sensible, but you know what? Life is going to end sooner or later, and so we want to be sensible about that, but people will do what they can to preserve life, and I could go into, there's a whole bunch of other illustrations I have here, but uh, there are people that are given the choice, and this choice is so relevant in many places in the world today, Convert or die, okay? That is irrelevant. That, that happens to many people. Many people are told, convert or die. That is to another religion, all right? And there are many, I've read stories, I've read books about people that under pressure, I mean excruciating pressure, they say, okay, okay, I'll, I'll convert. I'll go back. And then there's others that say, never. I will never turn back. I will never deny my Savior. I will never deny Jesus Christ. And so they compromise their beliefs to save their life. They change their behavior. And some people will say just about anything to preserve their life. And so what is eventually going to happen anyway? Yeah. Everybody will eventually lose their life. So how much better tonight to lose our life in Jesus Christ? To give Him our life. To live our life for Him. We don't necessarily have to make the choice to die for Him, like many do, but we do have to make the choice to live for Him. Okay? And so, make the choice. And I think we have here tonight. Choose to live for Jesus Christ to the very best of our ability with all of our heart and mind and soul. And so how much better to lose our life in and for Jesus Christ, to live to a great eternal purpose, to plunge ourselves into His service, to have an all-out commitment to Him even to the disregard of life. And there are many who have to make that choice very literally. And so it is better to die faithful than to live in compromise. We all know the old quote of Jim Elliott. 
At least I think we do. I don't know that I got it perfectly right here. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And so give your life to and for Jesus. In losing your life, you save it. Jesus is asking for what kind of a commitment? <laughs> what kind of a commitment does Jesus call for? May we use the word total? Jesus says it's a total commitment. It's, it's all of you. It's everything. Okay. And you know what? That is a brand of Christianity that you do not see much in our world today. But Jesus asks for it all. And he is worthy of all. And if we had more than all, he'd be worthy of that too. But we have only what we have. But we do give it to him. And so in exchange, you will receive the best he has to give. The things that Jesus has to give you are just of immeasurable value. He has to give you eternal life. Eternal life is what he gives. In glory, he has abundant life for you here on earth. And I want to remind us here this evening, uh, some of us have, have a lot more behind us in life than we do ahead of us. Okay, my life, is the behind part of my life, if we make it this long, the, the ahead part might be this long. That's for me, okay? I'm 54, so I, I don't know how much, you know how much of this there is. Could be 20, 30, 40. Probably not, okay? I think there's more behind me than there is ahead of me. But you know what? Give it to the Lord, whatever you have left. We're not going to be here long. So make it count. And guess what is in my notes? I have a question here. Brother, brother Merlin. Merlin, is that right? Verlin, there we go. <laughs> in my notes, how will you be remembered? It's in my notes right here. My brother just shared that. How will you be remembered? Will you be remembered as a selfish person just did what you felt like to the disregard of others? You didn't really care or will you be remembered as someone who poured their life out, just poured their life out for Jesus Christ and the good of other people? How am I going to be remembered? Verse 36, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? What is the answer to that? You know the answer to that tonight, right? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Did he get a bargain? No bargain. He was absolutely ripped off. How many of you like that? You like being ripped off? You like getting bad value? You like paying a high price for something and then it turned out to be worthless? You like that? And you know what? There's a lot of people that are paying a very high price for what they get in this world, and they're going to end up with nothing. Zero. In fact, they're going to end up in a hot place forever. Not, not a good deal at all. 
bad deal. And so we don't want to be among those that pour their life into gaining an earthly treasure to the loss of their soul. We are way too concerned about earthly profit. We talk about very nice principles that support our feelings and thoughts and beliefs. We like to be good stewards, okay? So there's somebody that has a need in your life. Anybody like that? You ever meet a needy person? And you think, well, I'm not sure it is very good stewardship to help this person. Well, that might be an excuse, all right? Just telling you, okay? That might be our excuse. We quote stewardship or wisdom or common sense to justify greed. Jesus says this person who is trying to gain an earthly fortune in that is no profit, no benefit, and no value. Nothing. And you know what? The people, I'll tell you who's the winner. Do you want to know who's a winner in this world? <laughs> the person who is happy with the least. Is that okay? Being happy with the least. Because there's people that no matter what they get, they'll never be happy. But if you can learn to be content, and the Bible, a very, very powerful Bible principle is that of contentment. Learn to be content with little. If, if you can be content with little, you are way ahead of the wealthy person who's miserable. All right? Does that make sense to you? Some of you are looking at me like, I'm not sure about that, brother. But yeah, that's the way it is. The wealth, the pleasure of this world is gone in a blink of an eye. The man goes into eternity with nothing. Job said it well. I'm so glad Job is in the Bible. Anybody else here like the book of Job? I like the book of Job. Job, he suffered. He lost it all. And sometimes it looks like when I look at the things I do sometimes, I, this is a Job experience. I've had people even say that to me. Boy, brother, that seems like you're, you're a little bit like Job right now. You're really losing a lot. And you know what? I'm glad that Job is there because Job said some really good things. He said, naked came I out of my mother's room, and naked shall I return thither. And he said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, and I'm just miserable. No, he said, blessed be the name of the Lord. He also said that after he has tried me, I'm going to come forth as a pile of dirt. No, he said, after he's tried me, I'll come forth as gold. I'm glad Job is in the Bible. Really helped me a lot of times. Gives me a right perspective and a right attitude. But did you ever see a U-Haul behind a hearse? Did you ever see that? I mean, we saw a lot of U-Hauls on the way here, but I, I none of them were behind a hearse. They were all behind nice, fancy pickup trucks or little SUVs or whatever. But a U-Haul does not go behind the hearse. Nobody can take it along. You can't, it's not, you know, all of a sudden, in that moment, everything you had becomes somebody else's, okay? So much better and far superior to give up all to serve Jesus and to spend and be spent for the building of his eternal kingdom. And you know what? That is something that is going to benefit us and bless us and benefit and bless others into eternity. 
the investments we've made in the kingdom of Christ. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. For a few verses here, Matthew 6, 19 to 21. We are in the Sermon on the Mount here for a few moments. Talking about, this is in commentary on verse 36, about the prophet, what does it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? Jesus said in Matthew 16, uh, 6, 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Okay, can we put, if we put a period there, how would that be? <laughs> Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, period. Well, what am I doing? Why am I? Our van is wearing out. I think we're going to probably have to replace it. We better have a little bit of money in our savings account. Okay, we probably should. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's wisdom. That's, that's taking care of business. That's doing the right thing. But Jesus says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. And to what degree is, are we laying up treasures? But he says, where moth and rust doth corrupt. And you know, right now, the dollars that you have in the bank, their value is going down. They're getting less valuable right now. Does that feel good? No, it doesn't feel good. But it just proves that the treasures of, of earth lose their value. Moth and rust do corrupt them, and the value of them goes down. All right? Um, thieves, they'll break through and they will steal. But verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where no moth, no rust, no diminishing value where thieves aren't going to break through and steal, it is safe, it is secure in heaven as we invest in the kingdom of God. And the reason why we must not make our treasure here in this world is because of verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be. If you invest in something, and all of you know this because this is experience of life, Whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is. What you invest your life in becomes your treasure. It just happens that way. If you invest in the great kingdom of Christ, there's your treasure. That's where your treasure is. A lot of you have families. If you invest in your family, your family is your treasure. If you invest in your business, your business becomes your treasure. If you invest in material possessions, there's where your treasure is. So wherever you invest, your heart is there. And so if you want your heart to be in heaven, you've got to invest in heaven. You've got to invest in eternity. Else your treasure will be here. And so we want to be careful about this. So what did Jesus mean? This is an essential understanding we must have is that our heart will follow our treasure. Our heart must not be trapped by this world. We must not be attached here. And we can think back in a Bible story. Lot, get out of Sodom. Lot, get out of Sodom. Because this place is going down. And so they drag Lot out of Sodom with his wife, and I think a daughter or two, 
And his wife was just, oh, my treasure, my treasure, my treasure's in, in Sodom. Wing! She looks back and turns into a pillar of salt. Okay? Her treasure was there. And she lost everything because of her treasure being on this earth. She perished due to her attachment to what God had condemned. The riches and values, the culture of Sodom, had to be left behind. Do we love these expressions of America? The values of our society, the money of our society, the culture of our society. Do we love it? It's all going down, folks. America is going down. We don't want to be attached to this thing. So let's be attached to the Christ, the kingdom of Christ. And so back to our other passage, our passage in Mark. Um, Jesus brings up such, a, such an issue in verse 38. He says, whosoever therefore, this is Mark 8, okay, Mark 8, verse 38. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed. Okay, we're going to talk about that word ashamed for a little bit. How many of you would say tonight that being ashamed is one of your options? Is that one of your options as a Christian, as a follower of Christ? Is being ashamed one of your options? I just want you to think about it. Don't, don't raise your hand or respond, but is that one of our options? Then think about, is that my reality? Okay. Is it really one of my options? We would all say, no, that's not really an option. And if we'd say, is that my reality? We'd say, not one of my options. I should never be ashamed of Jesus. But the reality is I am. Okay? Maybe that's not true. Maybe you are never ashamed of Jesus. That's wonderful. But we try to hide. We act awkward or embarrassed at times. We camouflage. Now, some of you go hunting, right? Anybody go hunting in Tennessee? Anybody like that? Okay, we got some hunters in Tennessee. The deer down here are only about this long, okay? I see these deer laying around next to the road. I think, boy, these poor people down here, they got to put up with deer that small. You got a little deer down here. But, you know, when you're hunting for the deer, especially if you're in a, in a tree stand and you're using a bow, you try not to be seen, right? You try to just, I'm just a tree. <laughs> I'm just a tree standing here. The tree has a point sticking out of it, you know? <laughs> But we don't want to be seen, right? We blend right in. And you know what? It's so easy for us to try to be that way. We try to blend in. We try not to be seen. We try to camouflage ourselves in our secular world and not stick out as a Jesus follower. This is a hard message, all right? It's hard for me. It's hard for you. But... Are we ever ashamed? We are to esteem Christ greater value than our own wants and our own wishes and our own desires, greater value than our very life, greater value than any earthly treasure 
That's what Jesus is to be to me. We're to own Him, we're to love Him, and we're to serve Him above all else or any other thing. And we are to stand with Him, and we are to stand for Him. And we do this in spite of the cost, the sacrifice, the inconvenience, or even the ridicule, or if we ever receive persecution, or even death that may result. I was reading a book lately. It's actually a book that uh, saw, uh, it, it came from Kingdom Channels, all right? Kingdom Channels was at Fairview. They had some books laying around there, so I picked up one of the books and read this book. And did you ever read something that, that, that you said truth is more bizarre than fiction? Did you ever read something like that? I mean, fiction, you know, they can come up with some bizarre, you know, unexpected outcomes. But I read that book, and I could not believe the outcomes of these true stories. This is like, this was totally unexpected of what happened here. And these people, many of them, just, I'm, I'm, I'm dispensable. I'm just dispensable in the work of the kingdom of God. I know I'm going to die. I know I'm going to die. And then sometimes miraculously they do, and other times they don't. But that is the reality of many people. And that should be, are they called upon to a deeper commitment than I am? What do you think? What if I am put in the same situation they're in? Am I, since I'm an American, I can somehow get out of it. I can talk my way out of it. I can appeal to my authorities and get out of it or whatever. You know what? My commitment to Jesus needs to be no less than theirs. And so I'm very challenged by that. And so are we, are we ready to go through those experiences if need be? Are we ever ashamed of Jesus? I'll tell you what I once heard a preacher say. Okay, this man was standing in front of the Fairview Mennonite Church, and he is an excellent preacher, very animated preacher. And he had a vocabulary that was about five times mine. Okay? Very, a very communicative person. But he said something to this effect. This is not a direct quote. I had to reconstruct it from my own memory. But this is what he said from the pulpit. He said, and some of these words are his words. I know it for sure. Because he started with these two words. He said, I hate. Now that I remember. Okay, the rest of it I tried to reconstruct. But he said, he said, I hate myself for being so weak and so cowardly, for cowering and cringing when I am among people or in places where Jesus may not be popular. He says, I hate it that I'm such a coward. And I would consider him a mighty man of God. A songwriter of long ago said it like this. I don't know if any of you have ever come across this song ever, and some of it's a little hard to put together, but it goes like this. Jesus 
and shall it ever be, a mortal man ashamed of thee, ashamed of thee whom angels praise, whose glory shines through endless days. Ashamed of Jesus, just as soon let midnight be ashamed of noon. Tis midnight with my soul till he, bright morning star, bids darkness flee. Ashamed of Jesus, sooner far, let evening blush to own a star. He sheds the beams of light divine, or this benighted soul of mine. Ashamed of Jesus, that dear friend, on whom my hopes of heaven depend. No, when I blush, be this my shame, that I no more revere his name. Words of Joseph Grigg. And so Jesus, Jesus, Jesus gave his life for you. Jesus shed his blood for you. He went to the cross. He laid down his life for you. He's done for you what nothing else, no one else or nothing else could ever do. He's given you something that no one else could ever give you. And I want to tell you tonight, he is worthy. He is worthy. He is worthy of our honor. And he is worthy of our courage. He's worthy of our respect. And sometimes we fall so short. Let's look a little bit at Peter tonight. Peter had a terrible, terrible experience. Mark 14 you want to turn to it. Mark 14, verses 27 to 31 to start with. We'll just read through a number of verses here. Please think about Peter. Please try to feel what Peter feels. 27 to 31. This is Mark 14. And Jesus said unto them... <clears throat> All ye shall be offended of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee, that this day, even this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise said they all. Get the picture? We have a lot of very confident disciples here. They are sure that no matter what happens to Jesus, we are going to stick with him. Okay? Then let's just go way down to chapter 66, verses 66 to 72. Okay, Jesus had been arrested. He was taken from his disciples. We know what happened in the garden. What did Peter do? Did Peter just turn around and run away? No. No, Peter was going to keep his commitment. He said, I'm gonna, if I have to die with Jesus, I'm going to do it. And so he got that one that one of those two swords they had, pulled that thing out. 
He's starting to swing this thing. And Jesus said, good shot, Peter. No, he didn't. He said, put it away. Put that thing away. And said something about those who use that thing are going to die by it. Anyway, let's read 66 to 72. <clears throat> and as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also wast with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew. And a maid saw him again, and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again. And a little after they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye speak. And the second time the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him before the cock crow twice, Thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. Poor Peter. Poor Peter. I, do you ever feel, when you're reading the Bible, does it ever really get to your heart and you feel like, wow. When I think about Peter that night, kind of makes you want to weep with him. Peter was just a man. He was a bewildered and confused man. Things were not happening the way he thought they were going to. A man who was under pressure. His friend, his Lord, had just been arrested as a criminal and now he's being tried and judged. And this is not what he was expecting. And he had tried to defend him in the garden, but was told to put his sword away and thereby Peter was stripped of his defenses. It looked like it was all over. What he thought was going to be a great movement, a great deliverance, was fading very fast. His hopes were certainly being dashed upon the rocks. He did not know that there was going to be a crucifixion. Much less did he know there was going to be a resurrection, even though Jesus had made it clear. And so in this distressing an astonishing moment, he did all he could know to do. He ran. He ran. Did Peter like what he did? Did he like what he was doing? What do you think? He did not like it one bit. And that's why we find him weeping over his behavior. But here he distanced himself from Jesus. And he did not like what he was doing, not in the least. And what did Peter do after this episode was passed? He wept bitterly. Was this the end of the story? What do you, what do you think? Is that the end of the story? <laughs> Praise God, it was not the end of the story. There was another time, if you read on, I believe it might be in the book of John, I believe, but I'm not sure exactly where, but there was a time that there was a time of restoration where Peter was brought into a right relationship with Jesus again. And we find another day of forgiveness and restoration in regards to this pitiful night of weakness. 
And so I don't know how you feel about this tonight. I don't know how you look at this tonight. Maybe you say, you know what, I can identify with Peter. I, I, you know, I, I've been like that. I distance myself from Jesus instead of standing with him. Well, if you feel like Peter this evening, there is restoration and forgiveness and another chance to stand tall. We know that Peter left his shame behind, and please read Acts. <laughs> read Acts, and you find a completely different Peter. A Peter that said we ought to obey God rather than man. And you guys are telling me I can't speak in his name. I can't help but speak in his name. I can't even be quiet. That's how Peter was. And so there is restoration, there is forgiveness, and there is a second chance. So what we're going to do tonight is we are going to commit ourselves. If you desire to do this tonight, if you desire to commit yourself to standing with and for Jesus Christ better than you have in the past. Maybe you can look back and say, see, yeah, there were times that I was just not, I, I wanted to blend in. I just did not want to stick out. I did not want to stand up for Christ. I, I, I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to identify myself with him. And you know what? I see a better future for myself. I see a better future in standing with and for Christ. And I want to commit myself to owning my Savior and not forsaking him in the hour of pressure. So we're going to give an invitation tonight, and I'm expecting that we'll have some, some response here this evening, but um, is there a song we could sing for invitation tonight, brother? What do you have for us? All to Jesus I surrender. We're going to have, why don't we all stand together right now? And if you would like to just say, you know what, there were times in my life, this is the invitation tonight. There have been times that I failed in standing for Jesus. I'm sorry for that. And I want to be more committed. I want to be more bold and brave and courageous. And I want to stand for Christ. Maybe there's somebody you need to speak a word to about the Lord. And you've, you've been holding back because you're just kind of ashamed or kind of scared. Or maybe in a setting, whatever setting it is, maybe on your job, that you kind of just kind of go along with what's going on there. And you know, you know it's not right. And you want to take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ in a way that you haven't before. We're going to invite you to come forward. We'll pray together, and we'll commit this to the Lord, and we can grow in our courage and our willingness to stand up for Jesus Christ. All right? So what, why don't we sing? Come forward as we sing.